How's it going, everybody? Good to be with you. My name is Ryan Alexander, and I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. I want to greet those of you, both of our campuses online. Is it safe to take these off now? It's cool? All right. Because I was a very fearful kid, and I didn't want to get my eyes scorched, right? And some of you are thinking, was he going to leave those on the whole time? No, no, no. Did you see the eclipse? You see the eclipse, yeah. If you missed it, it was 100 years since the last one. So uh, actually seven years, seven years until the next one. So not as, not as long to wait. We were in Seattle on our annual pilgrimage to the Pacific Northwest. And we could have gone to Oregon. It's not Oregon, by the way. It's Oregon, okay? Um, we were going to go there. You could see a totality 100%, but in Seattle was 93%, which is still an A, right? So we're all right with that. Um, but what, as I was looking at, with the glasses on, I was looking at it and I thought, man, what a, what a spectacular universe God has created, you know, isn't it? And, uh, and I also had the thought, I am such a small part of that universe. You ever have those thoughts? It's good for us to have every once in a while, because sometimes we get a little too high on ourselves or whatever. But at the same time, at the same time, uh, we're so significant to God, so significant to God. He knows every hair on our heads. So all that was kind of wrapped up in the experience of the eclipse. A lot of anticipation for the eclipse, 100 years since the last one. Um, and I've had some anticipation for this weekend, um, part because I'm excited to come back and be with all of you. All right, that's a good sign. I like you. Um, and so it's good to be back. Uh, but also this topic, this topic is, is really important, I believe, for, for us as Jesus followers. And if you're here right now and you're not sure that you consider yourself a Jesus follower, so honored that you're here, first of all. And secondly, I think this, this topic will be relevant for you as well. So we're going to get into it in just a moment. But first, I want to invite the ushers to come forward to receive our offering. I know something that's on a lot of our hearts right now is what's happened down in Texas with Hurricane Harvey, devastating storm. Uh, I heard this morning that 10 million people have been displaced in Houston alone. Uh, It has been a major, major, major disaster already, and the rains are still coming. And so, you know, when you give to Hosanna or any local church, you're not just giving to an organization, you are giving to life transformation. (laughs) You're giving to life impact. Uh, Here at Hosanna, you are giving to the multiplication of the hope and heartbeat of Jesus. And how's that happening? Thousands of ways, but one of the ways, it's very current, right, that it's going to happen is that we have a team here called HEART, Hosanna Emergency Action Response Team. And I've already been talking to some of the leaders and, and they're still assessing things and talking to some of our partners down there, but, but, but guaranteed we will be sending resources and sending people because that one's gonna take months and years uh, to recover from. So know as you give, you are a part of multiplying the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus. Amen? Amen. What a privilege. Well, we're going to get into this series now, uh, the, the, real, uh, the Field Guide to Real Life, a study of the Ten Commandments. And we've been saying this throughout the series that we don't want to see the Ten Commandments as, as a bunch of dusty old rules that take the fun out of life. And God has given us the Ten Commandments to show us how to live life, not to take the fun out of life, but to show us how to live life, to live a life that's free. You want to be free? I think most of us do. God said, here, here's how you can live free. The Israelites, when they first received the Ten Commandments that very first time, thousands of years ago, they had just been set free from slavery in Egypt two two months prior. And and they're excited to be free, but they had no idea how to live free. And so God says, here, let me show you how to live free within these boundaries, these parameters. See, it is a myth, and some of you still believe this myth, uh, and I got to expose it as a myth. It is a myth that freedom is a life without boundaries or restrictions. It's a myth. That, that is not freedom. That is chaos, destruction. That's a car without brakes, right? You don't want that. Real freedom is finding the right restrictions, the right parameters, the right way 
the right set of brakes to live within. And the Ten Commandments are God's way of saying here. Now, I want to be clear about this. The Ten Commandments don't set us free. Right? Jesus alone sets us free. Jesus, we've been saying this a lot. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Everything. Jesus sets us free. But then God says, here, you want to know how to live free? Let me show you. I've given you some guidelines. The guidelines, a field guide to real life. And so every week of this series, we've been looking at it through that lens. How does this topic, this commandment, show us how to live a life that is actually free and not bound or restricted by some of the ways that we might live outside of these 10 commandments, including this one. And this week, the commandment is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear false witness. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Can I get a witness? And, and Martin Luther, who uh, is the founder of our Lutheran heritage, we're a church with a Lutheran heritage, the reformer, who, by the way, celebrating 500-year anniversary of the Reformation took place in Germany. It's a big deal. He wrote uh, the large catechism. He also wrote a small catechism, which we're thankful that there's a smaller version, right? But the large catechism. And he talks about this commandment. And he, and he says there are three ways, and I think there are even more than this, but there are three ways to think about this commandment, you shall not bear false witness. The first way he talks about is, is very, the, the straightforward understanding of this, the kind of duh way of understanding this. Right? We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't deceive. We shouldn't bear false witness. There's a, there's a justice or court system connotation here, that, that if you're in a court setting or really any setting, uh, God's word would say, don't lie about what happened. And the Israelites, especially for a group of people living thousands of years ago, had a very sophisticated court system, but it all hinged on what? People being honest. They weren't honest, the system didn't work. And so that's one way to think about it. Don't lie, deceive, bear false witness. Second way to think about this commandment, and this one takes reading scripture in its its totality to really understand, it's a little more implicit, But but it's this idea that as followers of Jesus, so if you're a follower of Jesus, listen up, you can expect that at times people will bear false witness against you. People will say things negatively about you. They will even maybe criticize you or talk you down behind your back. You can kind of expect it. Why? Because that happened to Jesus and it'll happen to his followers too. And then he go, Luther goes on to say, you know, when that happens, don't be surprised about it. It's gonna happen. And so when it happens, go, okay. This is part of what it means to pick up the cross and follow Jesus and, and don't, don't fight back and you know, start saying, just, you know, okay, maybe I'm even on the right track following Jesus. It's not always true, but, but I know in my life there have been times I've had to remind myself, maybe people are saying that because I'm on the right track. Yes, okay. Then the third, the third way is the way we're gonna talk about this commandment for the rest of the message. And I'm gonna start with a riddle to kind of get us thinking about it. I guess it's a riddle. And the riddle is this, what is our most valuable possession, one of our most valuable possessions, and yet we can't see it, touch it, smell it, at least you can smell it if it gets kind of sour or bad, but, but, but it's immaterial, you can't touch it, it's not tangible. Uh, it's, it's something, it's a possession that we all have equal access to, it's a possession that in theory, in theory, can't be taken away from us like other possessions can. Let me just give you the answer, it's our reputation reputation, a good name, a valuable possession. Like any possession, we shouldn't you know, make it an idol or make it our identity, our reputation. Like any possession, we shouldn't do that. But it is a valuable possession, a good name, a reputation. Uh, Warren Buffett, who's one of those rich people that we hear about from time to time, uh, he says this about, about reputation. He said, if you lose dollars for the firm, I will be understanding. If you lose reputation for the firm, I will be Ruthless. 
Why? It's harder to recover from a reputation that's gone bad. It's harder. Uh, Solomon in the book of Proverbs in the Bible says this. He said, choose a, a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Right? This idea of, of reputation or a good name is, is in some ways more, more valuable than silver or gold. And, and we, in theory, all have equal access to this possession. And in theory, in theory, it can't be taken away from us. It can't be stolen. And we know that's not true though, right? I mean, in actuality, our reputation can be taken. It can be tarnished. It can be harmed. It can be destroyed even. It can be stolen from us. That's why some biblical scholars make a connection between last week's commandment, you shall not steal, and this one. Because our reputation can be stolen. It can be stolen from us. Some of you, I know I just pastorally, I, I know that some of you have experienced this. You're in the middle of this right now. And I just feel led to say to you, you know, God wants to gently touch your heart. He wants to walk with you. If you're on the receiving end of some of this, your reputation's been tarnished that he has a greater truth to speak to you about his love for you and your worth and whatever you know, needs to be said to your heart. But isn't it true, well, it can happen to us, but, but we can also be the givers <laughs> of this. We can also be the ones who are causing a reputation to be stolen, to be tarnished, to be harmed. And it's because of this, this organ in our body, and here, I can't talk when I'm holding it, but... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which I've heard said, and I think it's true, that it is the weakest and yet the most powerful organ on our body. <laughs> right? Weakest in terms of the control that we tend to have over it, and, and the most powerful in terms of the impact that it can have on people. I'll never forget the first time I realized, at least that I can remember, realized that I had had an impact with my words behind someone's back, Clay in fifth grade. And Clay uh, didn't have a lot of money. He wore the same clothes every day, and I was saying that to one of my friends, which was kind of ironic because I wasn't the best dresser either, but I did, you know, say this. And then uh, later on the day, I went into the bathroom and there was Clay just crying because of what he had heard I had said about him. See how words can harm people, a reputation. Here's, here's how I want us to uh, sit with this. When we talk about others, when we talk about others, reputations, lives, even, lives like Clay's, like the countless people in your life are on the line. It's a big deal. (laughs) What we say about other people, that lives and lives are on the line. Now, scripture has a lot to say about this one, a lot to say. In fact, so many verses that I couldn't even choose a couple. Typically here, we, we choose a couple of scripture passages. We go deep into them, there's so much on this topic, uh, we're gonna, it's going to be more like hopscotch through the Bible, okay? Or skipping rocks. Anyone like to skip rocks? Love to skip rocks. You think you're the champion rock skipper, but that's me. Anyway, um, we're going to skip a rock through the Bible here and hit on six passages. And the rock might be, you know, how should we, how does God's word instruct us or guide us to talk about people, to talk about people? And we're gonna, that rock's going to touch down uh, six times, all right? You ready for this? One person said yes. I need to go home. Okay, all right. Let's go home. Thanks, Mom. All right. Uh, Leviticus 19.16 says, Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. 
right? He's like, I'm making, I'm making my case here, the Lord. And I, I chose this one uh, to, for, to go first because I, I, like the, I like the combination here. And, and it supports that idea of when we talk about others, lives are on the line. See those two sentences back to back? Don't spread slanderous gossip and don't stand idly by while people's lives are on the line. Right? There's a connection here between how we talk about others and people's lives, their very lives. Here's Titus chapter two, verse three. And it says here, this is, this, here's one. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Right? So what's worse, slander or heavy drinking? Apparently they're the same, okay? Uh, and, uh, and, the, and what's interesting, I think, now, by the way, okay, we have a Lutheran heritage. It doesn't say no drinking. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. It just says no heavy drinking, right? Uh, but but the, the, the context that this is written in is Paul is writing to, to a group of older women, older women in the church. I'm not making this up. This is just it, okay? It, which reminded me of, remember that Saturday Night Live skit back in the 80s or 90s, the church lady? Remember that? Satan. Remember this one? Yeah. So apparently it wasn't just a 20th century phenomenon. These church ladies, they were gossiping and drinking heavily and that combination can be dangerous. So, and the word slander there, by the way, the word slander, um, that, that, the Greek word means to toss away carelessly, to toss away carelessly. So when slander is happening, this thing is not under control and we're kind of tossing words away carelessly. And it's not just older ladies that aren't supposed to do that. It's all of us. Here's another verse. Romans 1, 29 through 30 says, their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, also can be translated slanderers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning. You wonder, what does that look like? And they disobey their parents, a good old classic way of sinning too, okay? So there's a, this is quite a list of sin and sinners, and sins. And, and right smack dab in the middle of that list is what? Gossip, slandering, backstabbing. I thought that was a lesser sin. I mean, that doesn't, right smack dab in the middle of it. What, what, what is it, what is it about us that can cause us to do this, to talk about other people, to carelessly talk about other people, to slander them, to talk about people, get caught up in what I call and get caught up in myself too, the drama, the drama of other people's lives. Which, by the way, we need to get over the, the thought that any of us might be having that, well, this isn't a struggle for me. We all struggle with this from time to time, right? And, and what is it that causes us to slip into this tendency of talking too much about other people? Here's what, here's what I think it is. I think as long as we are talking about other people out there, we don't really have to look at what's going on in here. Now, that's true of me sometimes. I can catch myself. That there's something, and it's the general category is sin, but, but there's something fallen, broken about us that causes us to go, I'd rather deal, you know, if I just talk enough and think enough about what's going on in other people's lives, I don't really have to deal with what's going on in here. The other, the other reason I think we're driven to this at times is that it creates this false, I said false, separation between us and other people. Like somehow we're better than, or, or they're the ones with the problems, and I'm just gonna talk about them, the ones with the problems, but, but really... There's no, that's a false separation. All have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God, right? It's right, right there on the list. Here's another one. Do you know that slander is one of the signs of the end times? Not just eclipses, okay? Slander. Second Timothy 3, in the last days, there's a bunch of other stuff, but I'm gonna jump to verse three. They will slander others with slanderous tweets. That doesn't say that. But. It's a sign of the last time. I mean, right here. <laughs> slander others. And, and, and apparently the end times have been happening for a while because people have been slandering folks for thousands of years. Actually, we believe as we read scripture holistically, Jesus ushered in the end times. And so stuff's been happening, but it's one of the signs. The end times, people slandering others. Here's another one. Proverbs 16. Is this too much scripture? Okay. Last night someone said yes. So I just went home. Proverbs 16, 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. So if, that's, if gossip separates the best of friends, what does it do to lesser friends? That's what I'm thinking. Right? How does this happen? How do people get separated by how folks talk about each other? Here's how it happens, I think. When someone's talking to you about somebody else, what's the first thought you have? They'll talk about me that way. They will talk, if they're talking about somebody, they will talk about me that way. Trust starts to break down. I've heard it said this way before. If someone will talk to you about others, they will talk to others about you. See, this idea of reputations and lives being on the line, it's our reputation too. How we talk about others affects our reputation. Our reputation's on the line. Can I trust this person? If they're talking about other people, can I trust that they won't talk about me? See, I care about you enough to just say, this is your reputation too, your reputation. And then one more here. One more, Ephesians 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. We've, we've heard this message. But, but, but here's, here's where Jesus comes in. Jesus, I love Jesus for so many reasons, but here's one of the reasons I love Jesus. Jesus comes and he takes the Old Testament, all the teaching of the Old Testament, he says, yeah, 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 don't do that. But don't just not do that. Not, don't do that and do this. Don't just avoid the negative thing, but avoid the negative thing and then do this thing, this life-giving thing, this kingdom thing. Do this. Go the extra mile. Jesus says, if someone asks you to go one mile with them, go two, go two. And here's Paul. See, Paul knew Jesus, so he's doing that. Instead, don't do all that, but instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. That's going the extra mile. Don't just don't talk about people negatively, but go the extra mile and talk about them in loving, forgiving, kind ways. Because right? sometimes we think, well, if I don't talk about people and getting caught in the drama, what am I gonna talk about? <laughs> life-giving, life-giving, uplifting, building up kind of ways. Martin Luther, who again wrote a small catechism as well, and I, I'm so thankful for that. But, but I think he just nails this, this explanation of all the study I've done and you know, confirma- all the way back to confirmation, seminary, on the Ten Commandments and the Catechism. This one has stuck with me more than any other. I just, he nails it. He says this, we should fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbors, betray or slander them or destroy their reputations. Okay, that's what we don't do. Instead though, here's the extra mile. Instead, we are to defend them, speak well of them and always explain their actions in the kindest way. That part, that last phrase has stuck with me all these years. Always explain 
their actions in the kindest way. So how are we doing? I mean, how are we doing? We'll get to how, how are we doing as a church, but how are we doing in society on this right now? Going the extra mile. Explaining our neighbor's actions in the kindest way. Talking in ways that build people up. How are we doing in society? How are we doing, let's get even more specific. How are we doing, you know, in the media? How are we doing politics? How are we doing social media? Let's combine a couple. How are politicians doing on social media? How, how are media doing talking about politics? Right? I, I gotta say, there are a lot of things that are disheartening for me. I assume you feel the same way. Disheartening for me right now about the public discourse in our country right now. But this is at the top of the list for me. How people are talking about people. I mean, I, it hurts my heart. I think it offends God's heart. It offends his heart. It's a direct violation of this commandment, this understanding the Jesus way of going the extra mile and always explaining your neighbor's actions in the kindest way. And you might be thinking, well, you're not even doing that right now because you're talking about people. Who are you talking about? Talking about leaders? Do you have higher expectations for leaders? Yeah, I do, actually, because I'm one. I have higher expectations for myself. But, but, but I also want to do what, practice what I preach, and that is explain people's actions in the kindest way. Why are people in the media and politicians talking this way and slandering each other? And here's why, I think. Because it works. Because people like it. Yeah? Because it gets viewers and votes. That's what we do about that. Stop liking it. Stop, you know, viewing it. Stop voting for it. I believe it offends the heart of God how people are talking about people. And I, I want to go here too because uh, I would be, it would be a major whiff on my part if I didn't go here. And that is how people are talking about race right now, the public discourse about race. And I want to be, this is the first opportunity I've had since you know, coming back from vacation to address uh, this flock, my flock, on this issue since Charlottesville happened, the tragedy and the troubling events there. And I want to be really, really, really clear about what we teach. And, and this teaching statement that I'm going to read from has existed for two decades, and it is as unwavering and unambiguous now as it was when it was created. It says this, we teach that Christians are to work actively to break down the barriers that divide people, especially those of race, economics, and gender. We do not believe that these distinctions will matter in heaven, and teach that the church on earth should begin to mirror and strive for this eventual reality. We teach that we are to be proactive in peacemaking and the prevention of violence. That's what we teach. So I just want to be really clear that uh, as Christ followers, as people who stand on the word of God, that we will always stand with and stand on the side of anyone who's on the receiving end of hatred or bigotry or being degraded as a human being in any way. We will always take Jesus' side and the people who are on the receiving end of that. We will. I got an email from somebody who comes from a different ethnic background, and, uh, and he said, I love Hosanna. He said, I just want to know, where do we stand on some of the things that I'm hearing out there. And I, and I told him, we stand with you. <laughs> we stand with you. And so if you are part of this family and you come from a different ethnic background or racial background or any different background, we stand with you. We stand with you. 
hear that. Amen. And in doing so, I believe we stand with Jesus. So how, how are we doing? How are we doing as a church? Not necessarily on you know, topics of race or politics, but just in this area of talking about others. How are we doing as a church globally, Christians? How are we doing? <laughs> are, we going, are, we talk, are we explaining our neighbor's actions in the kindest way? I would say not always. In fact, sometimes it's, not, it's, it's hard to distinguish between you know, how Christians talk about each other and how people outside the church talk about each other. Let's be honest about that. But, but as I think about how, what do we do, how do we make a difference, how do we influence things in a different direction, I get overwhelmed thinking about the whole church, and frankly, it's not my responsibility to influence the whole global Christian church, but it is my responsibility to influence this church as the pastor of this flock. And, and so I, I was praying about this, you know, I have some expectations. God, is it okay for me to have expectations of Hosanna as a church? He said, you better, because <laughs> if you don't, who's gonna? And here's my expectation when it comes to talking about others for this church, if you consider yourself a part of this church. I want us to be known for this. I want us to be known for going the extra mile. I want us to be known for explaining our neighbor's actions in the kindest way. I want us to be known, not only not be known for destroying people's reputations, but but known for defending people's reputations. I even Googled reputation on online and there's a company called Reputation Defender. Did you know this? Some of you might. Um, but they're in the reputation management business. That's to be our business as followers of Jesus Christ. We're to, be, we're to be defending people's reputations, standing up for folks when no one else will. Explaining, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying, don't hear me saying that we are to you know, deny that things are happening or turn a blind eye or lie about, that's not what I'm saying, hear that. But I am saying we are to be defenders Reputation defenders. I want us to be known for that. When we were in Washington, uh, we had a family reunion from my wife's grandma's side of the family, last name Hamilton. Her maiden name was Hamilton. And we, we, we got to see on Ancestry.com. Have you seen Ancestry.com? Some of you have been on there. And uh, in fact, we were looking, looking at this and, and some kid in the room, maybe it was one of mine, said, hey, we go, I'll, I'll go back to Adam and Eve. We're all part, part of the same family. I'm like, that's actually good theology and speaks to what I was talking about earlier with differences and all that. We're part of the same human family. Uh, but, but anyway, Hamilton, you see where I'm going with this? They are dis- direct descendants from, or indirect, but descendants from Alexander Hamilton. Kind of cool. And I'm convinced my family's descendant of Alexander the Great. Not confirmed yet, but I'm pretty convinced of that. But as we were looking at that and talking about relatives and family, my father-in-law said something. He said, you know, my dad, he wasn't on this side of the family, but he said, my dad never said a bad word about anybody. Like, that's cool. And I come to find out later, his sister, my father-in-law's sister, more of a truth teller, said occasionally he had bad things to say about Cub fans and Democrats. But <laughs> Republicans, I can't remember which. But anyway, you know, he never said a bad word. I want us to be known, Hosanna, for that. We're not talking down other churches. We're not talking down other people. We're not talking down other groups. If anything, we are talking up people. We are building that Ephesians 4 chapter, so much good stuff. And Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up, right? Building up. We'll be known for that, which means, which means that we're all going to have to make a personal commitment to this, to being reputation defenders, to watching what comes out Right? A personal commitment. Now, how do we do that? 
This takes a lot of the Holy Spirit, in my experience, because this organ can be really weak. We need God's help. But here's, here's an illustration, a tool maybe you can chew on. So I heard this recent, people are always looking for the new fads for diets and showing more self-control with eating. And here's one I heard recently. If you want to change your eating habits, take a picture of everything you eat for two weeks. Imagine that. <laughs> and then go back and look at it. Will that change how you eat? <laughs> I ate a big old basket of tater tots last week. And uh, I'm taking a, looking at that now. Right? What if we did that with what we say? It's what we say. Not a picture but before it comes out of our mouth that we would record it or write it down or maybe literally, but even just figuratively. What are we saying for two weeks about people? And then to go back and and listen to that or have someone else listen to it. Imagine someone else listening to it, like your mom. Or, Or God, God's always listening. Or maybe that person that you're talking about hearing what you're gonna say. Would that change how we talk about people? I think it might. Why, why, why is this important, this idea of how we talk about people? I hope you're hearing it, but certainly one is, when we talk about others, lives are on the line, reputations are on the line, our reputation, our life, but others, clays, the clays of the world, and, and the countless people in your life. Here's another reason. Freedom. Freedom. I mean, You know this to be true, but when you get caught up in those cycles of drama and talking about other people, there's this weight or this yuck that starts to build up inside of you and it just kind of, right? You start going the extra mile that Jesus, you know, that Jesus talks about and and you start building others up and talking about others in in life-giving ways and it's just like freedom, freedom. You're not weighed down by that anymore. You know what I'm talking about. Here's the main way to talk about others like we've been talking about it today. It's because it's the Jesus way. It's the Jesus way. Not just in the sense that we are to follow Jesus and his way, but it's his way. It's how he lived. It's how he lives now. And Jesus, when he was on the cross, you know what he was doing? He was being a reputation. You know the greatest reputation defender of all time is? Jesus on the cross, to, to defend your reputation, to restore your reputation. He calls out on the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Talk about speaking about your neighbor's actions in the kindest way. It's, it's who he was. He talked about people, and it's who he is. It's who he is right now to read the Bible in its totality to, to kind of get this, but right now we read in God's word, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us. What does that mean? He's talking about us to God the Father right now. He's talking about you to God the Father. What do you think he's saying? Can't believe what she's wearing. You can believe what a mess he's made out of his life. He's saying that? Oh, he's saying, I died for her. I died for him. I gave my life for her. I gave up my impeccable reputation to defend her reputation, to defend his reputation, to restore reputations. He's saying, man, yeah, 
they slip up every once, he slips up, she slips up every once in a while, even on this topic of talking about others. But you know what? Let's forgive them. I died on the cross for forgiveness. And forgiveness. Let's forgive and restore and make new. I have so much hope. Jesus is saying, I have so much hope for that person's life. <laughs> Can you picture Jesus talking about you this way? He is. In fact, let's, let's picture it right now. Would you close your eyes with me, both campuses, and let's use these imaginations, these imaginations that God has given us, and picture it. Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't always know what they're doing. But I believe that with an infusion of my love and my hope and my healing, transformation can happen. He pictured Jesus saying, yeah, I know what people have said about you, but here's what I say about you. You are my beloved child because of what I've done for you on the cross. We confess, okay, yeah, maybe you're forgiven. Can you picture him at the right hand of God? talking about you to God. Isn't this person beautiful? We created this person, created her in our image, him in our image. Beautiful. So much potential. Let's forgive. Let's restore. Let's build up. Let's give life. You see it? And some need to see that. You're ready to see this. Now Jesus is turning to you and saying, now go and do likewise. I've forgiven you. I've restored your reputation. I've made you new. I've made you whole. Now go and be a reputation defender. Go the extra mile. Be known for this. But in order to do that, you know what it takes? It takes a lot of God, a lot of the Holy Spirit work in our life, and it takes a lot of security as a person. And the only way to have true security is to know your identity in Christ that it's in Christ alone that you are secure, that you can stand in Christ alone, that the power of Christ is in you. That's why we're gonna sing about that right now. Here we go. So here in the power of Christ you stand right now. And we talk about what we say about others and we end with how God speaks about you, his great love for you, his forgiveness, his peace, speaking words of life all the time, 24-7 about you. And I just sense the Holy Spirit is moving and, and doing his transforming work in people's hearts and lives. And I would encourage you not to let it end here. Keep going with God into this week, into the fall. And, and maybe even today, we have prayer ministers who are so ready to pray with you about this or anything that's going on in your life, a front or in the prayer room. Uh, please consider coming to pray. But now receive these words. God speaking about you over you, this ancient blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.